speak about uh, in an Old Testament book that's not preached a lot on or through, Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, give you a moment to find it. It's easy to find, it's right after First Chronicles. I mean, if you can't find Second Chronicles, what book could you find? Right, uh, right after Second, you find First, oh, okay. First, Second uh, Samuel, First, Second Kings, First, Second Chronicles, it'll help you out. Uh, I like the book of Chronicles repeats a lot of what's in 1st, 2nd Kings. People have asked me that question. What is the deal? Why am I reading, I read 1st, 2nd Kings, then I read 1st, 2nd Chronicles, I get a lot of repetition. Well, the difference is 1st, 2nd Chronicles emphasizes what went on in the two southern tribes. Of Israel broke in two. They split. The ten northern tribes went in apostasy under a guy by the name of Jeroboam. Um, the south was uh, when they followed a guy by Rehoboam. We call them the Boam brothers. One of them followed Rehoboam, and that was uh, the right way to go and, and the, the true way. And then the others followed Jeroboam. But Jeroboam was a bad man. He could have been wonderful. Man, God promised him. He said, if you'll do what I tell you, your, your, your children and grandchildren great, and will sit on the throne, and I'll bless you. The man just was a bad man. Jeroboam created an idol and had the ten tribes come and worship it in a place called Bethel and Dan. And believe it or not, it was called, it, it, the sin that he created was called the sin of Jeroboam. For 210 years, that sin affected the children of Israel in the north. And that never got over it. And God eventually brought the Assyrians in and wiped them out, wiped them clean, just like you clean your plate. And had them taken captive as slaves by the wicked Assyrians. Assyrians were some of the cruelest people in recorded history. When you read about what Assyria did to their enemies, you go, what in the world? You think Islamics are cruel. You haven't seen nothing that you read about what the Assyrians did to, their, to the people that they conquered. And so they had the, one of the, really the worst nation in the world, the most cruel nation in the world, come and take his people captive. Folks, folks, the Bible's written so we can learn from it. It says in the New Testament that the Old Testament was written for our learning and our understanding and understanding who God is and what he believes about apostasy. Today, following the lead of Brother Moon, I'm doing the autopsy of apostasy. We're going to lay apostasy out here because apostasy is dead by its very nature. And we're going to make some incisions in it. I'm going to make five incisions this morning in the autopsy of apostasy. Out of the last chapter of Second Chronicles 36, verses 11 through 22. Let me ask you a question. Do you learn from other people's mistakes? And don't say anything. Do you learn from other people's mistakes? Uh, you young people, man, listen to this. Whatever happens, you're gonna you, you make a decision early in life that you're going to be observant of other people and other wisdom, 
and you're going to learn from the wisdom around you and the people around you and from their mistakes. Or you're going to do, you'll do it your way and learn from your mistakes. Now, I had two brothers ahead of me. Both of, one of them was five years older than I am, another one 10 years older than I am. I was the baby. Uh, by the time I came into the family, my parents had figured out how to raise children. I, I didn't, I'm thrilled I was the baby of the family. I'm thrilled. I don't want to be a firstborn. Firstborn parent don't have a clue what to do. But by the time they get to the baby, right, Jenna, they figured out what to do. And it kind of is a nice thing to be raised under a, a parent and has some experience. But, uh, and so, but I looked at my brothers because they were 10 years, you know, one of them 10 years old and I'm, you know, from a 12-year-old to a 22-year-old, a lot of difference. From a 5-year-old to a 15-year-old, a lot of difference. But I was observant, and I would look at them, and I would see them get spanked, and I would see them get in trouble. I would see them get this, get that, and I would say, well, man, I don't want to go through that, right? I was learning from observation. I didn't want to experience and commit the same things they committed so that I could avoid the punishment that was coming their way. So I observed. So you, you got one or two ways that you decide early on you're either, you can look around you and gain wisdom from the mistakes of others, from the trials of others, or you can just learn, as my dad would say, the hard way. You can learn the hard way. Or you can learn the easy way. So it could be the hard way or the easy way. But one way or another, you're going to go through life, and you're going to learn some of the common wisdom that we all have to go through. In reading the history of especially the two southern tribes uh, of Judah, uh, it is important for us this morning to get a grip on why these books were written. These books were written so that you and I could learn by their mistakes. God is telling you and I, you should learn the easy way this morning. Don't learn the hard way. Don't go through what these people went through. Don't treat me the way these people treated me. Don't disregard me the way these folks disregard me, or you're going to suffer a similar fate that they suffered. Because God is consistent in what he does and his feelings about evil. The date, the date of 2 Chronicles is from, some of you want to know, is 970 B.C. to 586 B.C. Babylonians came in, and eventually the southern two tribes apostatized. The ten northern tribes apostatized. 721 B.C., the Syria came in and took them away. You'd have thought that the two southern tribes would have looked at the ten northern tribes and said, whatever happens, we don't want to do that. Hey, say amen. Hey, amen. Say something. This is going to get real long. <laughs> but I mean, come on. Please, please. But no. 135 years later, God brought a God, God brought not Assyria because Babylon had conquered Assyria and now owned all of that. 127 provinces really ruled almost the world, known world. And now he sends Babylon in to do the same thing he did to the ten northern tribes, he does it to the two southern tribes. What a sad case of affairs. And when you read 2 Chronicles in the last chapter, what, what tweaked me in my Bible reading is when I came across verses 11 through 22, and I would like to read that if I could, if you'd take your Bibles, your cell phones, or whatever you got there with the Bible on it. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign and reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. 
And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. If, if, if I summarized your life in one sentence, which is what God basically is doing here, he's summarizing their life in one sentence, what would God say about you? In the two southern tribes, there were eight good kings. Out of those eight good kings, there were five great kings. But there were uh, 12 people that had the same thing as Zedekiah had. He did, overall, his pattern was he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, of his God. And humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar who had made him swear by God, that he, and he stiffened his neck, hardened his heart, turning unto the Lord, from turning unto the Lord God of Israel. Moreover, all, look at that word, put that, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after how many? All the abominations of the heathen. And they polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. The Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. And I believe this morning I am, I am doing the exact same function as these people were sent to do. I am here this morning sent also to do the same thing as many other preachers across the world are doing. But the peop these people, they mocked the messengers of God. They despised his words, and they misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was, and trust me, when God creates a problem, there ain't nobody going to solve them. There was no remedy. Boy, that ought to send chills down your spine. When God judges you or a nation or a church or anything, there's no remedy. There's no, there's no back door. Uh, there's no plan B. Therefore, he brought them upon them, the king of the Chaldees, that's Babylon, who slew their young men. Man, I mean, just let's look at this. With the sword of the house of their sanctuary, in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion. How much compassion? No compassion upon young man or maiden. Old man or him that stooped for age, he gave them all into his hand. A cruel, cruel group of people, the Babylonians. And all the wealth, all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, treasures of the house of the Lord, treasures of the king, his princes, all those he gave to the heathen. They, the Babylonians worshipped gold, and silver is God. And they burnt the house of the God, and break down the wall of Jerusalem, and burnt all the palaces thereof with fire, and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were slaves. That's what the word servant there is, servants to him. And his sons, under the reign of the kingdom of Persia. How would it hurt your heart to be a slave of the people who had murdered your mom, dad, grandma, and grandpa, and slaughtered your children in front of your eyes. How would, it, how would it make you feel to benefit them by your service? That's what he did. To fulfill the word of the Lord of the mouth of Jeremiah under the land, then enjoyed her Sabbath as long as they lay desolate, she kept Sabbath, to fulfill three score and ten years, seventy years. 
Now the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, Persia came in and eventually conquered Babylon. The word of the Lord spoken in the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put also in the writing. That is not part of the message. You can read on a little further at the end of that chapter. And he eventually was able to send Ezra and Nehemiah. And those two books talk about the miracle of God raising up this heathen king. Let me just say this. Have no fear. God can raise up who he wants to lead when he wants him to lead. Last election proves that. Out of 116 polls, 112 said it's not possible that Trump could win, yet Trump won. By the way, Trump didn't have to have a pearly white history either. He owned a strip club. Uh, he's on his fourth wife. I mean, he's not pearly, he's not pearly white when it comes to his uh, moral character. And yet God said, that's my man. I'm going to put him up. You say, see, we say, oh, God's got to have perfect background. No, God doesn't know. I use all kinds of people. When, when God said, Nebuchadnezzar, my servant, that, that just, that, that, that blows my head off. Boom. Nebuchadnezzar was a worshiper of, of silver and gold and, and an immoral, in every way you can be immoral, I imagine. And, and just, there couldn't, and yet he said, that's, that's Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. By the way, I believe Nebuchadnezzar possibly got saved later, just like I believe Brother Trump got saved. Is it possible Trump could get saved? Was it possible Nebuchadnezzar gets saved? Brother, if Nebuchadnezzar could get saved, anybody gets saved. But he did. Our God's a great God. He goes past all of the bridges, all of the walls, jumps over them all, does stuff that's amazing. He says, I'm going to do some stuff in your time that'll make this, go make the hair, go make your ears tingle, go make a hair in the back of your neck stand up. But I got up election night at 2.30 in the morning and I goes, whoa, God has been here. He's done something that even makes the ears tingle of ABC, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, and all the rest of them. Did you look at them? They were... Well, I'm not supposed to shake my head. Excuse me. All right. My wife says, never say no. Always Yes. I'm going to make five cuts. Let me make the first cut right here. The incision number one on the autopsy of apostasy, we find in verses 11 through 13. I'm going to go back through these now and explain them. Step one of apostasy in the first incision, we find that leadership, the leadership of Israel failed, of Judah and Israel, the southern two tribes. Everything rises really and falls on leadership. But here's the, here's the sad thing about leadership. Defecation rises to the top. That was my kind word. Defecation rises to the top. It floats. Bad people tend to get in places of leadership. Uh, when, when, brother, when, when, they, when, they were, when they refer to the thing called the swamp, what are they referring to? A bunch of defecation that has risen to the top of our government. And he, he says, we're going to clean, drain the swamp. I know exactly what he's talking about. We're going to get rid of the illegitimacy, those that are in it for the money, those that are in it for the power, and don't care about the people. And don't care about the, 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 the uh, sanctity of the government and the Constitution. 
Remember, we're talking about nations here this morning. We're talking about the nation of Israel. We're talking about the nation of the United States. There's a parallel here. But the first thing we want to know is that things rise and fall on leadership. Zedekiah, which was the king, the last king, he was proud. He was self-sufficient. He was self-confident. He was egocentric. And he was confronted by the prophet of God. Jeremiah, the prophet, came to him in boldness and in tenderness and in compassion, if you read the book of Jeremiah. And he told him, look, please listen to me. God has spoken to me. If you'll do what I tell you, God will spare you. He'll spare your children. He'll spare your grandchildren. But what did Zedekiah do? He, he was hard-hearted. He hardened his heart. The Bible says he stiffened his neck. That's kind of a Hebrew idiom. He, he bowed, we say bowed up. You ever seen anybody bow up, Brother Irvine? When you go out there and you get, you're repairing a guy's car and you say, uh, he thought it was going to be a $100 fix, and you went out there and said, it's three grand. You seem like a boy bow up a little bit, amen? I, you know, they bow up or harden or stiffen their neck. They resisted. He resisted the words of God and God's man. He was convinced his decision-making was better than God's advice. And we got a whole group of people today that are convinced that their wisdom is better than the Bible wisdom. When they passed a law and said transgenderism is right and that gay marriage is right, they bypassed the Bible. 6,000 years of human history, they said were wrong, where a marriage was between a man and a woman. I read the dissenting opinion of the Supreme Court. You ought to read it. And that dissenting opinion says the egotism of this court in that they would overthrow 6,000 years of human history and the wisdom of our forefathers and, and, and that they would somehow say now this which was always been wrong is now right. It's as upside down as you're going to get. And it's not an alternative lifestyle, folks. It's an abomination to God Almighty. I'm not being mean. I'm being kind. Because if we don't, as Christians, recognize it and, and agree with the word of God, we're going to suffer the same fate as these folks. S incision number two. The pastors, the deacons, and the people were transgressing against the Lord. That's found there in 2 Chronicles 36, 14. Moreover, all the chief priests and the people transgressed very much. All the abomination of the heathen polluted the house of the Lord. How does one pollute the house of the Lord? First of all, if I may say, the Bible says there is such a thing as, you're, you're, there is such a thing as polluting the house of the Lord. The place where we come together to worship. There is, it is, is it possible that we can pollute the house of the Lord? You'd have to say, yes, it is. These people did it. And if they did it, we could do it. They came in in such a way and began to worship in such a way and began to act in such a way. They thought it was right. The crowds got bigger. The finances got bigger. They became a mega temple. And they thought it was, this is success. The trouble is God's God's scale of success is not the world's scale of success. Bigger, I think Benny always says, uh, bodies, bucks, and budgets is not where God says is success. If you read through the Bible, it's always been the remnant that has pleased God. It's almost never been the big groups, the big majorities that have pleased God. Here's the same. 
all the chief priests, all these people, the majority of these people of Israel began to pollute the house of God. You know, I'm going to say this, to put it on record, God's house is a special place for special people that have a special service in a special way. It can be defiled, it can be polluted, and it can be made to offend God. How, what did they do? Well, the Bible says they brought in the abominations of the heathen. Now, that is a large, broad term. Basically, they began to use as worship tools things that the world was using to dance with, things that the world was using the nightclub with, things that the world was using in their honky-tonks. They brought that into the worship of God Almighty, the holy God, the, the thrice holy God, who had told them how to worship, was clear about it. But they brought it in thinking, well, it's just going to, that way people, there won't be so much difference when they come into church. Listen, if you go to the house of God out of the world, you should feel strange. You should feel under conviction. You should have a sense of, of your sin. Does it make sense if you come to a, every time in the Bible that a man of God, uh, a person got around an angel or got around uh, any holy being, they immediately sense the, the, uh, the wickedness of themselves, oftentimes even physically expressing it by throwing themselves down and, 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 and becoming without strength, the Bible says. It makes sense to me that if you come into a church where the Holy Spirit is predominant and the, and the word of God's being obeyed, that the people from the world that would walk in here would immediately get a sense of their deficiency with God. We hope they do. Because the only way you're ever going to be saved is to understand you're lost. The only way you're going to get your sins forgiven is to know you have sin. They brought in the rock and roll of their day. They brought in the world's dance of their day. They brought in the sensuality of their day. Consequently, that went into the nakedness of their day. Girls, don't see how little you can wear. See how much you can wear. Oh, man, that's worth coming right there. Throw me out, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Leggings are wicked. Leggings, I call that painted clothes, are wicked. They're not just an alternative style of dressing. They're meant to go under your clothes so that you don't chafe riding bicycles and do other stuff. I understand spandex. I understand. I used to jog. I wore spandex, but I wore clothes over it. And these girls around here, everywhere I go now, I'm starting to see it. Man, every, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get an Amish. I'm going up to the Amish country and buy me a set of what they put on their horses. I'm going to go around and get a band made up start selling them on eBay. Here's the way you survive in the world we live in. But I'm going to tell you this. God forbid you got to do that at church. In God's house? I don't want to see your bare back. I don't want to see your bare almost anything. 
They brought in the nakedness of the world. They brought in the lust of the world. They brought in the emo. Oh, here's a good one. This is getting better. I'm enjoying it. I don't know if you guys are, but I'm enjoying this because it's the truth. They brought in that. Um, they brought in the emotions of the world, which were more to be followed than the truth of the Bible. In other words, they began to judge the truth on whether it felt right. Have you ever heard it can't be wrong because it feels so right? Patty uh, sang that song. You want me to sing a little version of it for you? I was going to say Patty Duke, but that's not right. <laughs> it ran across my mind, but I couldn't catch it. And I can't hear either, so I didn't hear it either. So not only did I not remember that, I can't, I can't, I barely can see. It has to be right because it feels, that's what, that's the whole liberal. The whole liberal group out there are, are touchy-feely. Whatever happened to law and order? Whatever happened to presumed innocence? That's not touchy-feely, but it's right. It'll hold you in good stead. They brought in feelings. Feelings. They, they brought in feelings over Bible principles. That's what happened. And you know what happened? I'm supposed to be calm in the next two, three weeks, but I'm, I'm having trouble. It made God sick. Right here. You ever had a good case of the flu? I mean, you ever had a good, you ever got drunk? You ever got real drunk? And then all of a sudden it hits you? And the beauty of that is you get to throw up for about three hours. One time I went to my neighbor's house as a kid. I'll confess, I'm going to confess my sin. I went to my neighbor's house. His dad had a big old bar. And I, whiskey just looks good. Whiskey looks good. That, that, that burgundy, that color, the color of that brown and it shines. So I said, pour. I put a cup out there and said, this the kid was behind the bar. Dad went home, mom, dad went home. I'll tell you something don't do. First of all, don't have a bar. And if you do have a bar, whatever you do, don't leave two teenage, young teenage kids in it. Because I said, just give me a shot of everything. <laughs> Bourbon, vodka, Jim Beam, all those other things. And I just would like, I said, I'm going to have that beer over there. I threw up for four hours. I didn't know there was anything. I thought my toes were going to come out my mouth. <laughs> Folks, that's the way God feels when you bring the world into his house. It's not just a little preference difference. It's an abomination. Do, do we have to learn? Do we have to learn the hard way? Or are we going to learn the easy way? The easy way is you read the Bible, you see what happens, you say, whatever happens, let's not bring that world stuff in here. Let's not make the, the same, let's not make this place look the same, smell the same. Listen, I, go, I read about church building. I read about church growth. I, I, I don't go to their seminars because I can't stand it. But 
the way they tell you to grow a church today is you get rid of that, and you get rid of that, and you get rid of this, and you, and you get rid of all of this white, and you paint the ceiling black, and you bring in fog machines and, and laser lights, and you get rid of it, rip all the carpet up, polish, uh, seal, densify, and have my son polish the floor, and, and have, because they're going to spill, let them bring in drinks and everything else, because they're all going to be jumping up up and jumping up, they're going to be spilling and throwing up and, you know, all this stuff that goes on with a bunch of people. And bring rock and roll bands in and, and have the light show and have the deal and have a phenomenal worship service. That is the going philosophy of the majority of so-called Christian churches in America. What I'm concerned about is doing the same thing to God as it did to the God back then. Because God doesn't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Does the Bible say that? They polluted the house of God. God was not able to put up with it, would not put up with it, would not bless them, would not inhabit them. They became useless and offensive to him, and it was a sham, and he, he, it was a sham to his name. And incision number three, in verses 15 to 16, he sent his preachers and said, quit doing that. That's what I'm doing this morning. Quit doing that. Stop. Turn, repent, come back. They mocked, made fun of them, they despised them. Let me tell you, the new church movement of today, they don't just not like us, they despise us. They don't just not like this book of hymns, they despise, they mock them, they make fun of them. Uh, they don't just despise the, the King, old King James Bible, they hate it. They, they, they say it's, it's, it's useless, and, 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 they, and they, they don't just not like it, they despise it. And the brother and sister, they're doing everything in their power to get rid of it. Every trace of the old paths they're after. They call us hate mongers, negative, angry. I'm not angry, by the way. Phobic, out of touch. Just exactly what they did to the people who stood up for God back then. Isn't that a coincidence? I'm sweet. Decision number four. God's reaction in their long-term rejection pollution was 2 Chronicles chapter 36, 17, 18. I must hurry. I don't think, I think you can read that for yourself. He slew all the young men, all the old men, all the ladies, everything that had breath, pretty much. He stripped them of all their wealth. He caused everything they loved, he took away from them. He enslaved them with people that hated them. Incision number five. We see in verse 23, there is hope for the remnant. I'm not going to leave you, and he doesn't leave you. On Second Chronicles, the last chapter, he doesn't leave you with despair. He doesn't leave you just with the fact he judged them. But for 70 years, he said, they're, they're over there serving the king of Babylon. But he said, at the end of them 70 years, I'm going to do something that, that, that you can't even believe I can do. I'm going to raise up a leader. Cyrus by name, before he was born, by the way, told him his name. It's been said that the Jews came to Cyrus and showed him Jeremiah's prophecy of, and his name hundreds of years before, hundred or so years before he was born, and that moved Cyrus. And he believed then he was divinely appointed to do that, and indeed 
did what he did. That's the human explanation of what they think happened. But Cyrus was raised up, whatever happened, by God. And he, not only did he, he finance the whole trip of Ezra and Nehemiah, he protected them on the way over there, and he taxed the land around Jerusalem to help build the wall and build the temple. Brother, if that ain't God, where it is? Praise God, no matter how dark the night may get, there's always God is willing to save a remnant, a small group of people that were willing to obey and do the old and follow the old paths and stick with the ancient foundations that our forefathers have set. I believe what we see going on in the modern church today is exactly what happened to these folks. It's not a new pattern. The devil has no new tools he uses. He, his, his, his pattern is simply he causes God's people to ignore the Bible, to begin to pollute the church, and then God, the devil doesn't judge the church. Did the devil judge them? No. God judged them. The devil just gets you to sin and then steps back and goes, okay, God, take care of him. That's what that's a, my dad used to say it when I was getting a spanking. He'd say, well, the devil's over here beside laughing at you because you obeyed what he said. He was right. He was right. I also obeyed my brother. My brother said smoking was fine. So my mother started breaking them cigarettes and piling that tobacco. And I said, what are you doing? She said, you're going to eat all that and swallow it. So I got up, started eating that tobacco. Every smoking tobacco, not chewing tobacco, smoking tobacco, I started eating that stuff. And of course, you know what happened. Brother, this morning, again, 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 11 through 23, you've been warned again. We've been warned. I've been warned. We need to we need to make sure that the leadership stays true to the Bible. I don't care how slick, after me, I don't care how slick the guy is. I don't care how well-speaking he is. I don't care if he can thrill you and chill you. If he don't believe the Bible 100%, cover to cover, get rid of him. I'd rather have a guy got up here and stuttered, like Mel Tillis. I'd rather have a guy get up here and have to sing the sermon, not to stutter than I would to get some, some slick, well-polished liberal who wants to take you down a path that'll bring you to a place where God is, is sick of this place and across the front will write Ichabod, which simply means the glory is departed. We're nothing without God. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Gospel Baptist Church is nothing without God. We're nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit. We're nothing without obeying the Word of God. Uh, we're, this, isn't, this isn't a work of man. This is God saving you folks and, and putting us together in a group where we hold hands and reach a people around the world like disciples for Cuba or all those people back on the board and go out door to door and pass the tracks. We are being a witness for God Almighty, edifying and building up his people. Leadership fails. People begin to transgress the Word of God. God is, sends these preachers to warn them not to do it. They ignore the preachers. And God gives them over to enemies. I got, I got to quit. But let me say this. Who, are they, who, who, what enemy do we, do we have enemy? The phenomenon of the Islamics. You're seeing Babylon raised up. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if things don't turn around and God people's, God's people don't, don't repent. And there's not a coming back to the old ways that God will literally use the Islamics to judge Christians. Wouldn't that be crazy? No, it would be exactly in tune with what God has done in the past. And just remember, when they put that knife to your throat, you heard it at Gospel Baptist. God's sent his people to warn, turn, turn, turn. Now, if God's people will turn, he'll help you. He'll save you. He'll cause them to stay back and not to prosper. And brother, by the grace of God, if there's going to be salvation in America, it'll be God's people, which are called by his name, shall humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked way and seek my face. Then I'll hear their, I'll hear their prayer. I'll forgive their sin. I'll heal their line. Second Chronicles 7, 14. Same book. Same book. I'll heal their land. I want, I want the land healed. What about you? I want America healed. Father, help us today. Give us wisdom from above. May the word of God go forth. May the Holy Spirit interpret it as he sees fit. Oh, dear, dear, dear Father, maybe someone in this audience that knows not Jesus, their personal Savior, they still are going to have to answer for their own sin if they face you. Father, allow, may, may, they be under, may they understand that they can let Jesus answer for their sin. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. I just believe the book. Father, help them understand it. May there be Christians here. May you may be dabbling in something that God hates. You want to destroy your house? Bring the world into your house. Bring the cursed thing into your house. Pollute your house so then God Almighty has no choice but to judge it. Father, help us Christians understand God's pattern and who you are, Father. And we may honor you for you're a a thrice holy God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.